Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark, your internet radio home for all things champions indoor football. Join Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio, as well as the director of operations of the CIF, as he brings you the news and notes, as well as player interviews, coaches, and owners of the CIF. So let's do this. Here's Sonny Clark. All right, and welcome into Inside the CIF with me, Sonny Clark, the hardest working man in sports radio as we get started for week number three week number one was kind of you know as far as the games were concerned light as far as the quantity the quality that was a different story uh but when we were moved into week number two i call it week 1a uh when five teams in champions indoor football hit the field uh but we had five victories five losses uh so we'll talk a little bit about those games here in today we'll talk about the standings of course some big news coming down from Texas in Allen with the Texas Revolution make that big signing. Um, We'll talk about that in today's show as well. Uh, We also got some great guests here today. Uh, to, To start it all off with, obviously, with the big signing in Texas, we got Chris Dixon's going to join us here in uh, ch- uh, inside the CIF. So we're going to talk to him, and we're going to have a good, candid conversation with him. Also going to bring in the head coach of the Salina Liberty, it's Eric Clayton, and also the head coach of the Dodge City Law, that is Sean Ponder. That's all on today's show on Inside the CIF and other things that we're going to be talking about. So, But let's go to the games last week because obviously five games on tap, that meant five games that were brutal. I mean, out on the football field, when you watch these games, and that's one of the things I like about this game. It's so fast. It's so hard-hitting. It's so action-packed that even a game that might even get out of hand as far as the score is concerned is always something to look for out on the football field, whether it be a big play, whether it be a big hit, whether you see a team learning as they go along. And I'll tell you, as many games that I've watched – in indoor football, you see all that stuff come to pass. So let's start off as the game that happened last Friday. It was the Bloomington Edge at home with the West Michigan Ironmen. Uh, the Edge got the big victory there, 64-20. to 20. That was a big game for uh, the, to start the week off because you talk about a lot of things in that game. You could talk about the new head coach right there in Bloomington. You could talk about the new uh, actual uh, team itself, the West Michigan Ironmen right there. Uh, so you, you, a lot of things what I just talked about. New coach, new transition, obviously Amir Ishmael uh, over there 
leading that team. Also, uh, the new franchise itself being the Ironmen. Uh, so there was a lot of things to look for in that game. So uh, when, when you watched the game and you saw what happened is Bloomington got out really quick, 23 to seven, um, and then blanked the uh, Ironmen in the second quarter, uh, 21 to nothing. You go in at halftime, it, it's 44 to seven. That game in your mind, obviously, is over. But you also see the development of the team coming back, that obviously being the Ironmen, what they were able to do. They put up 13 in the second half, obviously not enough, but definitely get a lesson within this league and what it's all about. Let's go to the... Um, Let's go to the stats really quick. Alex Carter, 13 of 2,724 yards and three interceptions for the Ironmen. Uh, Corey Ringer, three, uh, mark that, seven rushes, 44 yards, two touchdowns for them. And also Alex Carter, 13 rushes for five yards. On the other side for the edge, Caleb Holberg, 14 of 2,180 yards. Uh, two touchdowns as well, and he also ran the football nine times, 39 yards, and five touchdowns. So uh, he uh, had a big game all around for the edge. Uh, some of the other things out there, Marcus Lewis, two, uh, two catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. LJ Ka uh, Casil, four catches, 27 yards, and a touchdown as well. Uh, uh, looked like done, five catches for 51 yards, and four catches for J.J. Hayes for 48 yards. So they were all over the place out on the football field for the edge. So that was the games on Friday night. Now, three games on Saturday ended up with the Sioux City Bandits getting a victory of 77-37 to 37 over the Bucks at halftime. Uh, this game was a little bit out of control. It was 35-13 to 13 at halftime. So uh, the Bucks gave it an effort in the third and fourth quarter, scoring 12 points in each one of those frames, uh, but unfortunately came up short 77-37, to 37, taking a look Really quick at the uh, stats, Jonathan Bain, 21 to 38, 199 yards, three touchdowns and one interceptions. Uh, rushing the ball was Jamison, 11 rushes, 106 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Lance Lewis, one rush, 10 yards, touchdown. Uh, Tyler Floyd, one rush, one yard, touchdown for them. Ebony Pope on the receiving end. Caught six passes for 91 yards and a touchdown. Jamison, six catches, 49 yards. Lance Lewis, three catches, 24 yards. Uh, uh, Josh, uh, Josh Jarby, uh, four catches, 18 yards and a touchdown. And Bird Max, two catches, 17 yards and a touchdown for the Bismarck uh, Bucks. On the other side of that, the Sioux City Bandits. Tyler Gasser, uh, 10 of 14, 86 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, Dominique Carson, seven rushes, 31 yards and a touchdown. Maurice Young, one rush, 13 yards and a touchdown. Jeffrey Mack, two rushes for a touchdown as well. But really leading the way for this team, Frederick Bruno, 10 rushes, 93 yards and five touchdowns. Big time numbers there. Earned him the offensive player of the game. So big, big time for Frederick Bruno. And also in the receiving yards, Bruno, three catches and Three, uh, 31 yards. Anthony Albarni, uh with two catches, 18 yards, and a touchdown. And Jeffrey Mack, one catch and 11 yards. So uh, that's what it looked like for the Sioux City Bandits. 
Now on to the game where I was at. I was actually at the Mesquite Arena as the Dallas Marshals were taking on the new coming team, the Centex Calvary, and the Marshals got a victory there, 55-37. to And at halftime, it was a very interesting game as it was 34-19 to at halftime. So a game that was really still close at that time as they played for a tie in the third quarter, only putting up seven each in the third quarter. Uh, the Marshals outlasted the Calvary by outscoring them in the 14 uh mark that the fourth quarter 14 to 11 to get that 55 37 uh victory over the Centex Calvary let's talk a little bit about that as Darren Ellis uh two touchdowns he was 12 of 27 173 yards he also rushed the ball 11 times for 33 yards. Reggie Smith, seven rushes, 19 yards, and two touchdowns. And on the other side, receiving Darren Mathis, three catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Reggie Smith, four catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown. And Alan Daniels, four catches, 51 yards for the Centex Calvary. For the Dallas Marshals, uh, Colton Browning, 11 of 24, 123 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. He got hurt in that game, and they had to bring in. Uh, uh, looks like uh, Edwards Edwards Baker Jr. He was 2 of 4, 29 yards, touchdown and an interception. Browning rushed the ball 9 times, 55 yards and a touchdown. Sean Jordan, 5 rushes, 32 yards and a touchdown. And Baker Jr., 4 rushes uh, for 16 yards and a touchdown. In the receiving portion, 5 receptions, 48 yards, 2 touchdowns for Anthony McGee. Ed Young Jr., 4 catches, 45 yards and 2 touchdowns. And Stacey Martin, 2 catches, 43 yards, 1 catch and 16 yards for Cordell. Dell Robinson. Chad Morrow, the man of the hour for this for special teams, earned the special teams player of the week. Uh, he was two for two for his field goals. Uh, one from uh, 35 yards as well, uh, and he was 7 for 7 on extra points, so earned him a lot of uh, honors there on the special teams for the Dallas Marshals. So the Marshals get out, and they are 1-0 out on the season. Then a crazy game on Saturday night that came down to the final play of the game. If you've been on Champions Indoor uh, Football's uh, Facebook page uh, and things of that sort, lots of video out there. Well, Actually, mark that. Not lots of video, but lots of watches for the video as Trevani Johnson prevented the uh, Gladiators from getting into the end zone and getting the victory over the law in Dodge City. So a big hit by Tuff Johnson uh, gives the Dodge City law the 59-52 uh, victory there in Dodge City for Duke City. Uh, Portier was 24-3598 yards of touchdowns and three interceptions. That's probably, you take a look at that you, you can probably see where that game might have uh, been different if he had a better performance Lucian Walker though seven rushes 50 yards three touchdowns um, Antonio Bray seven rushes seven yards and a touchdown as well Andre looks like London six catches 52 yards uh, and three catches 40 yards for Bray as well and Lucian Walker he caught three balls for nine yards and a touchdown for Dodge City Rudy Johnson he starts off the game by throwing in an interception uh, we'll talk to Sean Ponder a little bit about that later on in the show when we speak with him but he was 15 to 23 200 yards five touchdowns and that interception uh, Rudy Johnson also rushing the football 17 times 72 yards and a touchdown nine rushes 13 yards for Ricky Lewis Daniel McKinney he 
caught six balls, 109 yards, three touchdowns. Brandon Vincent, four Brandon Vincent, four catches, 44 yards, and two uh, touchdowns as well. Deadweiler, two catches, 24 yards, two catches, 14 yards for Matthews uh, for the Dodge City loss. So they ended up getting that victory uh, on Saturday night. A good one comes down to the last play of the game. So a really exciting game. Also another exciting game on Sunday as the Salina Liberty fell to the Wichita Force as the Force were on the road taking on Salina as the Wichita Force got out to a 14-7 lead in the first frame. Uh, the Liberty tried to get back into it, but were a little bit behind by halftime as they got outscored in the second frame, uh, 15 to 10. So it was 29 to 17 at halftime, uh, and then they played it close until the end of the game, just answering each other. So the halftime lead helped the Wichita Force get the victory uh, in the uh, end there for the Wichita Force. At the quarterback position, it was Medlock 16 to 22, 186 yards and five touchdowns. Tyler Batts 19 uh, for 56 for two touchdowns as well. Clarence Anderson three a third uh, three three uh, rushes, 13 yards and a touchdown. Receiving Brett Soft six catches, 63 yards and a touchdown. Chris Anderson, two catches, 51 yards and a touchdown. Clarence Anderson, four catches and 47 yards and two touchdowns. Tyler Batts, two catches uh, for a touchdown as well. For the other side of the Salina Liberty, Joshua Floyd, eight of 1,526 yards, three touchdowns and a, a interceptions. Rushing the football, Tracy Brooks, five rushes, 11 yards and a touchdown. Ed Smith, four Rushes, nine yards, touchdown. Joshua Floyd, 12 rushes. Only five yards, but he got a touchdown on him as well. So, receiving Jeffrey Cameron, two catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Ed Smith, one catch, 41 yards, and a touchdown. And also, Dobert, one catch, 11 yards for the touchdown. Tracy Books, one catch for 14 yards. So, that is the uh, story there that happened in Salina as the Wichita Force were on the road taking on the Liberty. That was a quick look at the week two scores here in Champions Indoor Football here on Inside the CIF. But let's be honest, the big news coming out Champions Indoor Football was the Texas Revolution making a big splash as far as the quarterback position is concerned. Player personnel, what can you say? Uh, bringing on a guy that has done what Chris Dixon has done throughout his career. Obviously, the big, big story in Champions Indoor Football, besides the week, uh, but uh, the biggest move quite possibly in Champions Indoor Football history uh, as definitely was the biggest move as far as a player is concerned in Champions Indoor Football. Uh, so it, you look at the situation, they get a guy that's a veteran, a Hall of Famer uh, in the Indoor Football League to come down to Champions Indoor Football and play for the Revolution. Uh, he's going to hit the field for them as they take on the Syntex Calvary in their first game. I'll actually be on hand for that game down in Syntax, so we'll be looking at that game up close and personal uh, down there in Syntax, so we'll get an idea of what's going to happen 
for Chris Dixon in Champions Indoor Football against the Syntex Calvary. So an interesting week coming up for a lot of teams, but when you sign a guy like Chris Dixon, that just puts a monkey wrench in any plans that you have. Uh, so w let's just do it now. Let's bring in a man that has done it all in the Indoor Football League, the IFL, whether it be MVPs of the league, whether it be MVPs of the United Bowl, whether it be United Bowl champions, whether it be a guy that holds every single statistical record that you could possibly think of as a quarterback in the Indoor Football League, it's Chris Dixon. <laughs> How you doing, Chris? Hey, I'm good. How's everything? Doing good. Thanks for joining. I wanted to talk candid to you because there's lots of talk that is going on out there, so we might as well be candid. You're talking about you as a quarterback that is could be in demand in any, any league. Now, you decide to go ahead and make the trip down to Champions Indoor Football and the Texas Revolution. How come you went to Champions Indoor Football compared to any other league or, for all that matters, any other team? Uh, I was told I couldn't return to the IFL. Um, so, I don't know. It was, it was a, I was told that because they, they put me in the Hall of Fame that I couldn't return. So, I didn't want to, you know, mix up things in the – IFL. So, you know, I really wasn't thinking about football and a couple of teams started calling me. So it started making me think about it. And, you know, I mean, when I thought about everything, Texas was the best fit. So you, you, you're sitting at home, not bothering anybody, just getting done coaching, maybe thinking about going coaching anywhere else or, or were you done with coaching no, as far as what I was, was happening? There I was, was done really? with the indoor football game. I was going to take the year off and not have anything to do with indoor football. I was trained, you know, I trained for a living and, you know, I was doing those things. I'm still trying to build some things here in Montana. So I'm still, you know, building those things and, you know, uh, you know, talking to, you know, the guys out of Texas and, you know, we talked and, you know, out of the refs and the staff and, you know, it was a great communication, a great thing. And so it was just easy to just say, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll play. So you get the call from Tim Brown, you know, and guys that, yep. to, to bring this home for you. I mean, uh, Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, obviously different leagues. I mean, I, but you're still uh, still right there as far as the type of game that is played. You're right there on the same level as a, as a guy with that as far as Hall of Fame credentials in the indoor league. How, how was it talking to a guy that really has made his input in, in, a, in the NFL and obviously trying to do what he's doing with Texas? Texas Revolution. Um, it was easy, you know. We had we had a lot of similarities, a lot of thoughts, a lot of the same thoughts at the same time in our career. And you know, like I told him, you know, I, I just don't. If I'm not just wanting to play football. I'm trying to, you know, just come back and you know enjoy the game. You know what I mean? And, and enjoy football, not just play, but enjoy it. And you know, after a couple of their guys called me and. You know, I really started thinking about I said no at first. I did. I said no. You know, a lot of people get it misconstrued. This has nothing to do with money at all. So let's let's just 
in that question if you had it. It has nothing to do with money. You know, I know how much the champion in their football league pays. It's not about money. You know, it's just about an opportunity to, to get to know people and enjoy the game, just to have fun and, you know, do those type of things. And I'm in a pretty good situation now that I got the chance to go out and, you know, just enjoy the game. And so and that's what I wanted to do. Was expansion to your brand down to Texas have anything to do with it? Obviously, you, you're a your personal trainer and everything else. I'm sure there's a lot of things that you got going on as far as that's concerned that really fit very well with Dallas and the Dallas area. And it does. And it does. And that's one thing, you know, that I have an opportunity to expand, to get some respect as a football player because a lot of people don't know who I am down there and they will get to know me soon. And having that chance to really get to know the people there, see what I am as a football player, and to help build a, a city into a championship city. I mean, Allen has a great, great facility, great oh, yeah. great staff, you know, great players, and, you know, all they're looking to do is deliver a championship. And my goal is to, to bring that to Allen. And, you know, the opportunity to do that into a city like that and to, you know, go into the schools and get to know the kids there and get to know the, the fans there is, is, is a big opportunity for me, not just from building my brand, but also just as a person getting to know a new city. Well, as a person, I mean, let, let's be honest, Chris, you, you've do, you've done a lot. You do a lot within the community. And, and actually, literally, after you get done with game number one in Syntax uh, down in Bedford, Texas, you're on a plane headed back to, to the Montana area. Let people know what you're going to do right after your first game. No, actually, it's after the second game. We're going to spend the week in Texas. Um, since we play that Thursday night um, at home. And then I have, uh, right after that, I have a football camp March 25th in in, uh, Billings. So after our home game Thursday, I'll be back in Montana Friday um, doing doing my camp Saturday. And then I'll be presenting the uh, National Football Foundation Award to to our National Football Foundation Player of the Year in Montana at the Montana Hall of Fame. So, a lot of opportunities to, you know, really just keep giving back and giving, you know, everything I got to this community and also down there in Allen now. Well, that that's the the question. You're going to try to move some of those ideas of what you're doing up in Montana right here. I mean, you talk about a mecca of football. I mean, high school football is quite possibly could be right there on the same level as college football. Obviously, uh, the NFL obviously being the um, pinnacle of all that. But high school football and all that within this area, you've got a big area to work with as far as that's concerned. Yeah, and, and, you know, Texas is, is big in football. and I mean, yeah, I'm hoping to move some things down to Texas and see how it is, get to know the city. Like, I mean, I don't know for sure if it's going to happen, but I really, you know, it gives me a chance to really see what's down there, you know, and see how I can make an impact down there. There's a lot of great people doing a lot of great things in Allen, and, you know, if I could just add on and, you know, give back as well, I mean, why not? So it's just a great opportunity. To, to keep down the on expanding from, down the street from the Dallas Cowboys, literally. I mean, we're talking about 13 miles away from uh, the whole area. Maybe, well, maybe it's 20, but anyway, it's just right down the area. Any any clue about maybe the fact that you coming there? Did the Revolution give you kind of any indication that they could get some scouts over there to see you up on that level as far as uh, the Dallas Cowboys are far? That matters any other teams. 
No, it doesn't. It didn't really matter to me. I'm just happy to be in a big city and a big opportunity to to see. You know, like I said before, this has, NFL all that. I don't worry about that anymore. You know, that's I'm 35. You know, I don't really worry about moving to the NFL. Like I said, I just want to enjoy the game. You know, and there's a lot of great guys on that team that just wants to enjoy the game and get to know each other. And that was big to me, and that's that's the main thing for me. Now, when you say enjoy the game, are you saying that maybe during the times before that you weren't enjoying the game, it was more of a or more of a business? What's the the correlation from when you were with Sioux Falls and the other teams? Obviously, you did a stint up in the AFL as well. Were you not having as much fun, or is this just a better opportunity to have that fun? No, it ain't neither. I mean, I I enjoyed my time in Sioux Falls. Like we had a great time. We we did a lot of great things. We enjoyed our game. We had fun. We were a close-knit group. Um, in the AFL, it was a struggle at times just simply because it was it was never really my team at any team I went to. It was always right. coming in and competing with a guy, and I never really had a chance to show a coach what my team would look like, you know, as a, as, a, as the leader of the team. And so, you know, it, I, no, it has nothing to do with none of it. It's just I want to enjoy the game and you know, like I said, I couldn't go back to the IFL because I was told I couldn't come back. And so, um, you know, it was the next best situation. And, and I, I'm, I lo- I've been loving to talk to Tommy since talking to him. I love to talk to Tim, you know, Coach Mann and Coach, you know, Kavanaugh. I mean, kind of know a lot of people in the last four days. And, you know, it's been great to have the conversations and their hunger. And, you know, I, I get to be hungry again. I miss the competitive side. I miss competing. I mean, if anybody who knows me knows I'm 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 very competitive. And so, you know, I love coaching my kids and, you know, I have the opportunity to show my kids what I'm capable of doing cuz they get tired of hearing me say, you know, this is what I did and they you know some of them never seen me play. You know, they've seen the YouTube videos, but you know, a lot of them since I've been talking about it have been like, now we get to see if you can do it, you know, and and those type of things. So, I, I mean, you know, but for, first and foremost, when my kids wanted me to go back and play and they enjoyed being able to go to different places and see their dad play, that was the one factor that pushed me into thinking about playing. Well, you talk about Hall of Fame numbers. We could go all through the numbers. By the way, does that get old hearing all that? I mean, hearing about the championships. I mean, you lived it. I mean, does it get old hearing about it from other people? Like I tell most people, you know, it's hard to hear about them for me because, you know, I have done so much, but sometimes it feels so unappreciative, unappreciated. And if you want to look at, like, different things, most most people will say I'm, the, I'm, I'm one of the best players to ever play the game. You but, are. You know, you, you, you never – but you never – you know, it's, it's a lot of things, you know, I, t- I think about or I talk about. Like, I go into certain arenas and – you know, you see people's numbers or jerseys hung up in the arenas and, you know, they're considered, you know, all of this greatness. And, you know, I, that's the other thing. I've never seen my jersey in any arena I've ever played in. I mean, you can go to any arena that i played in. I've never lost a home game in the IFL. That's facts. You know. Big numbers. I mean, I've never, ever, ever lost a home game in the IFL. You know, and I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't talk about them because, you know, it's like, what's to talk about? You know, like, 
they don't feel, I mean, everybody has their own opinion about what I've done in my career, but for me, it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really think about them no more because it, it never feels like they were appreciated anyway. Got it. Now, when you come down to, to the Dallas area, you get an opportunity to play with a former Sioux Falls Storm player. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. you obviously still get to compete with some of them, but you got a guy that you hooked up with quite a bit uh, with the wide receiver position in Clinton Solomon. How's the, have you had any talks with Clinton or, and everything about you coming back or have you not talked to him? What's going on as far as that's concerned? Every day we've talked. I've been on the phone <laughs> with Fudge. I've been on the phone with Solomon. I've been on the phone with coaches. I mean, we talk, we communicate. They've been in practice we talk about practice every day. We talk about what's going on, what they see, you know, what we need to clean up. You know, I've watched a couple of practice videos, and we're all communicating right now. I mean, if any, Sonny, if you know me, you can call them. They will tell you it's nonstop. That dude calls every every probably six hours. I probably call him one of their phones and trying to see what's going on, what we need, what we need to do, where we need to adjust. You know, me and Carlos have been – constantly talking we talk at least three times a day since the day i signed mm-hmm. and you know and, and talk about the game plan for the first game and, and those type of things and i think they're grinding i think they're they're excited i'm excited we all hungry and i think you're gonna get a, a hungrier texas revolution team that you've never seen before now you are uh you're not in texas right now when do you actually hit the practice field and uh get ready to uh do what you do with the texas revolution I'll be down next week, um, and uh, we'll be getting to work together. They're just implementing some things that I like to do, and I'm learning some things they like to do right now. I am throwing and working out in Montana right now to get ready to get down there. Um, and so it's been it's been a it's been a it's been a it's hard because I want to be there right now. You know, mm-hmm. I do. I want to get to work. I want to get these guys on the same page, but at the same time, I've had some things I need to finish here before I, before I head down. Let's take a step back and let's go into coaching as you, you took on the head coaching uh, job over there, as far as the wolves were concerned, how was that experience for you? What kind of things did you learn? And would you be willing to get back into coaching again? If that opportunity brought itself up? I would, I mean, I love coaching. Um, the only issue is, is, you know, in Billings, it's hard to recruit the Billings. I mean, let's call it what it is. Our airport is very expensive here, very expensive. Um, it's hard to get the guys to know where you are and want to come here, you know. And, and it, it's a little bit easier for other guys because they got a nice, you know, they got either either they in a small town but got a big city around them or, you know, they're in a big city. For us, it's hard because we have – I mean, the next big city is Denver, Seattle, and, you know, Minneapolis, which is, you know, 16, 8, and 12 hours away from us. Right. So to really explain how to get to Billings and all that, and you know, and for what the league pays, it's it's rough trying to get the great players that want to come here and, you know, and want to be in Billings and, and all that, so... Did you did you ever get the want to go ahead put back on the uniform be a player coach? I mean, when you were up there in Billings, was that hard for you oh, to I be on the sideline and not being in? Yeah, it was rough because you know how you know me being a former quarterback and 
really have done it. Sometimes it was hard to really try to understand a young quarterback and how to help them, you know, develop into a better quarterback. You know, I felt like I was giving them all the knowledge. But maybe there was times where I maybe I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't giving them enough. But, you know, for the most part, I mean, in my two years, we, we made playoffs in my two years. Mm-hmm. We we have we have had, you know, a top five defense in my two years. You know, we've always had at least two players go all, you know, IFL in my two years. So, you know, I feel like I accomplished some things, but there's some things I could have did better. And hopefully, you know, on this time around, I'm learning a little bit more from some, some new guys to kind of do it better. All right, let's do a quick word association, real quick uh, answers to some of the questions. You've been in the AFL. You see what's going on in the AFL. What do you think the future is for the Arena Football League? I think it's going to drain out. Um, I think the problem with the AFL is is there's too much bickering between the players and the ownership. Um, I think I think I think they need to come to a common ground, you know, with each other so that they can rebuild the AFL. But until that happens, you know, the AFL will always have its struggles, and you know, the ownership. You know, will always, you know, of course, it's always hard when owners can trump the players. I mean, we're going to always be trumped by the ownership just simply because it's their money going into the team. Let's call it what it is. Right. But at the same time, you know, the players are your product that you put on the field. So you, you both of them got to coexist. And, and the AFL, sometimes it's hard for both of them to coexist because – when one is satisfied, the other one isn't, and then when the other one's finally satisfied, the other one, you know, and vice versa. So it just never – they need to come to a common ground between players and coaches, and, I mean, players and ownership, you know, and, and get it done. And they want to keep their league. Some, somebody in the situation got to make sacrifices, you know, and, and that's the way it's got to be. Does it need to be unionized at that level? To an extent, yes. I think they go too far with the union and sometimes, but, you know, I think they do too much. Like, I, th- I think sometimes the union, you know, kills the situation and sometimes it really helps it. I mean, right. in my eyes, I mean, there's been a lot of things in the AFL that if it wasn't for the union, it would be hurting. But then there's times where I'm like, if you wasn't in a union, you would still be playing, you know? So, it's always hard on both sides to say what's right and what's wrong. I'm not saying I don't like the union. I like the union. But at the same time, sometimes the union kills you. And I think that's what's going on in the AFL is that sometimes the union gets too far involved and it gets real petty between ownership and, and, the, and the players' union. And it, it makes everybody have to – it makes everything come to a halt and it's really petty. You know, it's so small that if they just came to a quick common ground, everybody would be happy and everybody would be able to move on. Toughest player you played against as you had to read the defenses all the time. Who was the toughest guy to get something by? Uh, Frankie Solomon and Well, I played with Trevani Johnson, so he, I, he knew who I was, but he was really good. Yeah, um, tough. I would say BJ. BJ um, Hill. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, BJ Hill was a was a was a hard one. Um, Singleton, I would say from Tri City, was pretty good. Yes, I would say about those three are three of the best that I've had to go at. You know, on a consistent basis, there, there's some one year guys that was rough, but I would say on a consistent basis, those three were were three of the hardest to throw at. Favorite place besides Sioux Falls that you played? Allen, actually. The atmosphere. It feels like baby Jerry World down there. That's why this is like a, you know, I like the feeling of going down there to play. I've always liked when we get to go to Allen and play. So We got, um, we got new, new, new turf down there now. That's going to be good for you. Yeah, I heard about that too. But just the building in itself, I like. I like the... I like the games down there. It was pretty. It was. It was always good to go down there and play. Now, looking looking at the, you have the cities, you have the you have the arenas and stuff. Now, when when you are when you're preparing for a game to to head into a game, is there a certain thing that you do? Do you have like a ritual when you're prepared for a game? Obviously, I th- I would think it'd be different from coaching to playing, but is there a ritual that you do each and every game before you uh, step out on the football field? Or do you just win? Uh, no, I uh, I have breakfast in the morning. Um, <laughs> depending on what time the game is, I have breakfast yeah. in the morning. I have a I have a nice lunch. I always gotta have, um, you know, I load up on my carbs and everything else. Um, uh, um, what else do I do? Oh, I have a pair of sunglasses. I always gotta put on before I go on the field. So. I have a pair of sunglasses that actually has a music put in it into them. I don't know if you ever seen ah, me warm up okay. in them, but they're they're green or black, and so I uh, I put them on, and those are my glasses that take me into my zone to get ready for a game. You know, I listen to music, but the reason why I have the you know the sunglasses on it just it just darkens everything up and kind of takes everybody out of the situation for me and keeps it you know where. I, you know, I can focus on what I need to focus on in that throwing session or in that, you know, in that moment of warming up that, you know, I don't have to hear anything else. It's all about getting ready for the game. So I would say those, those are probably my ritual things. People call it cocky. You know, who is this dude coming on the field with sunglasses? Well, people don't really understand that in those sunglasses, I'm actually listening to the music just like anybody else do. Well, what's the music in it? I got to know. I mean, it, it, what are you listening to to get ready for a game? T.I., um, DMX, uh, I usually have a, a crazy song like a Miley Cyrus or, you know, I call it my girl power song. Uh, <laughs> and it's more about my daughters to make me think about my daughters and knowing what I'm doing this for. Um, what else do I have in there? Uh, a Scarface song. I generally have a Scarface song in there. Um, so, yep. That's about it that I can remember. Man, you, right don't, now. you don't go old don't school at all, do you? I mean, goodness gracious, you're talking to a 50 year old, so I'm I, I live in no school. You, do, you, do you go old school at all, or are you are you a new school? Marvin Gaye, baby, gotta have a Marvin Gaye song in here to relax my mind. So when I'm when I when I'm laying down and I'm stretching, it's Marvin Gaye. Gotta have it. Got it. Gotta have that song. You know, gotta have a couple of his songs in there. So yeah, I got a few. I got a few old school songs. You know, Mike Jack. You know, MJ get, always gets a little play in my headset. Sure. You know, sure. and the Man Good. in the Mirror song always got to pop up at least one time during the during the workout session. You know, so and I may vary it with some other people, but 
those guys usually get a lot of playing time in my headset. So good. We got a little connection, not much, because I mean, out of all the names that you named in there, I only recognize BMX. So there you go. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so old school. I can't even get close to new school. So there you go. Um, he is Chris Dixon. He is the, he is the guy that really, I, I mean, you know, brought me into more of the, this game. Obviously I was with the AFL with the Arizona Rattlers, but it was Chris Dixon getting us the, the focal point of uh, the indoor game uh, in the indoor football league. Chris, thanks for joining us here on inside the CIF. We'll definitely be talking to you as I'll be seeing you around the Allen event center and I'll be down in Syntex as well. All right. Y'all have a good day. You betcha. And I love talking to Chris Dixon, obviously a guy that has been there, been done that, did it all, all those things, you know, as far as the Indoor Football League now coming down in Champions Indoor Football. Should be interesting for the rest of the season uh, for the Texas Revolution. Uh, lots of things being said about that as far as, you know, other things that are outside of football that we're not just going to, we're not going to comment on but, or anything uh, as far as that's concerned here. Uh, we will get to a lot of other stories, at, but really you talk about what what happens when you bring a Chris Dixon into a league, a guy that has had the main focus on him for many, many years in the indoor football league and quite obviously Mr. Indoor Football, if that's what you want to talk about it. But really the talk about the Texas Revolution, uh, if they don't win the championship, I mean, it's a wasted year. When you bring in a guy that is Chris Dixon, at least everything I'm reading, wasted year if they don't get the championship. So be really Really interesting to see what happens with the Texas Revolution as they go on uh, week to week here in Champions Indoor Football. They have the first three week by, so they had a lot of time to get uh, players ready. And then Chris Dixon coming in next week to get uh, so you know acquainted with the offense, and obviously he's going to bring a lot of things to the page. Uh, for the Texas Revolution as they move on. So good stuff talking to him. Let's go and let's talk a little bit about Champions Indoor Football itself. And let's talk about the players of the week. That's a big story, obviously, with what we do here uh, in Champions Indoor Football. And a great week as far as players are concerned. Let's talk a little bit about them. Frederick Bruno of the Sioux City Bandits running back. He is the Offensive Player of the Week. 10 rushes, 93 yards, 5 touchdowns, along with 3 receptions and 31 yards. Then, the Defensive Player of the Week. That goes to the Bloomington Edge uh, Michael McGee, as he had six tackles, two interceptions, one for a 52-yard uh, pick six. So a uh, big game for Michael McGee. And then Chad Morrow, uh, all he does is just make everything he attempts. Two for two for a uh, four field goals, one of them for 35 yards, and then he was seven and seven uh, for the extra points for the Dallas Marshals as they got their first victory of the season. Let's take a look at the standings in champions indoor football in the north as the bandits are 2 and 0 so they sit on top the bloomington edge 1 and 0 uh Kansas City not in action in the first 2 weeks uh they are in third uh place uh at 0 and 0 
Teams that lost in the North that are 0-1 are the West Michigan Ironmen, the Bismarck Bucks, Omaha Beef, and the Salina Liberty. Actually, Omaha lost in week number one. Let's take a look at the South and who's up on top there. The Dallas Marshalls, 1-0. Dodge City, also 1-0, along with the Wichita Force, who are 1-0. Team that had not played uh, in the South were Amarillo and uh, the Revolution. And at 0-1 are the Duke City Gladiators and the Syntex uh, Calvary. Syntex on top with that because of the uh, numbers for the uh, for the week. So that's your standings in champions indoor football. So, But, folks, let's talk a little bit about our next guest as a, a guy that had to take over a team. That was, you know, really just kind of lost when you talk about the Salina Bombers. Um, and then they have to go ahead, get new guys, new ownership of this football team in Salina, change their name, and also get a new coach. Let's talk to the head coach of the Salina Liberty. It's Eric Clayton. How you doing, Eric? Good. How are you, Sonny? I'm doing good. Hey, thanks for joining us for a few minutes. Now, you, you took over a franchise that was uh, kind of uh, new, but not new to the, at least the Salina as far as the indoor football was concerned. You took over for a team that was having some uh, hard times and uh, the coaching of that team over there uh, with Bob Ray. You come in and swoop in with the new name, new atmosphere. How was it going from one season to the next from the Bombers to the Liberty? You know, it's, uh, it was a transition that needed to be made uh, through the ownership group and the coaching staff. Um, it felt like they needed somebody, a local, a local face. Um, I've been in the Salina area most of my life, so uh, having that and being, being the coach of the first year of the Salina Bombers, uh, being an assistant coach, um, they thought that bringing me back would uh, in turn help with attendance and also, you know, uh, having that local face in the crowd. It's always nice to be able to see someone that's recognizable and the changes that were going. Obviously, you've been there during the time, uh, the changes from where it was to the Bombers to where it is now. How was the transition to get from where it was with the Bombers to the Liberty now? Describe a little bit of what you had to go through to get it to where it is today. Well, I, the, as it changed hands, um, obviously I was released at one point in the in the transition, and then I set out the season of 2015, and then I was brought back in 2016. So I don't know how that transition occurred so much on all the transactions um, as far as what happened, but uh, I just know that I was blessed enough to uh, be called upon again to, uh, to guide this team. When you take a look at football, indoor football, everybody has their, I guess you can say, their coaching philosophy. What is your philosophy going in there? Is this a combination of using the outdoor game and moving it into the indoor? Are you a pass, a, you know, happy kind of offense? What is your philosophy for the Salina Bombers this season? Well, it would be for the Salina Liberty. So we're, the uh, Salina Liberty, we, we, uh, our philosophy is is just we want to maintain possession of the ball. If we can control the clock, manage the clock, and our offense is on the field, we, we have chances to score points. If we're not on the field and, and the defense is on it, you know, obviously we have to create turnovers and, and to get our points on defense. But uh, so that said, I just want to be disciplined on all areas of the, 
of the field, and uh, hopefully we can come up with wins. Now, after a 2-10 and ten season, you go into this season, uh, 0-1 right now, but obviously going on the road and taking on a, a very tough football team. But this is one of those rivalry games now. I mean, even though in the past it was a different name, but really, you're right there really close, and uh, this, this can develop into a great rivalry between two good cities. It, it, it really can, you know, uh, going up to play Omaha Beef uh, this Friday and, uh, you know, having some of their players, former players on my team this year, you know, it's going to be a great atmosphere to play in. Um, you know, the fans will be all in for, for the guys that played before, you know, so um, what a great atmosphere. We're looking forward to it, and uh, it really can be a great uh, rivalry. Now, taking a look at your team, it's a little bit different, especially at the quarterback position. You get the quarterback from the beef from last year, that being Josh Floyd. You bring him in. What does he do uh, for your team to put you in the position to get the victory on Friday? You know, Josh does a lot of nice things for us. He has a lot of experience. I think this is his sixth season in, in indoor football. And, uh, you know, just with his experience and the chemistry that him and Kyle – McManus have, uh, Kyle being at the center, um, you know, just that experience that they bring to the table and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll do some nice things for us. Definitely. Now, when you take a look at the beef, you, you already seen them in action this season. Uh, you get an idea of what they get the first week, then they get a bye. So they get a rest last week. When you look at the beef and what you got to to go up against in their building, what are you mostly looking at when you take a look at this Omaha Beef football team? Well, I tell you, obviously, you know, they bringing in uh, Ionetti and Phillips, um, Ionetti the quarterback and Phillips the, right. the running back. You know, both of those guys are great uh Great athletes, and uh, we'll have to be really good on defense. When you look at the, when you look at this game as a whole, and we talk about putting together a rivalry, um, it, we we talk about the potential. What what makes a good rivalry? Is it the fact that you guys are close, or is it the the actual league itself? What makes for a good rivalry right there? I mean, look at it, smack dab right there in your state, right there. <laughs> well, I don't know, I. I I, I would say that, you know, some of the rivalry is, is that, you know, just a good b ball game between the two, you know, and if we can continue that uh, with the two ball clubs that have great games or close games, then that would constitute a rivalry. You know, I, I wish that it would be a little bit closer, you know, as far as, you know, the Wichita Salina being a rivalry, you know, that's a little bit closer than the Omaha game. But, you know, it is what it is, and, you know, if, if everybody that we play – is considered robbery. I'm good with that, also. <laughs> you betcha. Now, looking at looking at the game, you got you got a little bit of a trip. It's not far. Good thing. I mean, how, how does the trip affect you? Do you go there the night before? Do you go day of? Uh, what is a game day setup for Eric Clayton and the Salina Liberty? Now, uh, since it is about three and a half hours away, we're, we'll go the day of. Uh, leave sometime uh, mid-morning and uh, arrive, you know, around 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon and uh, prepare ourselves that way. Uh, it's, it's a short drive, so we will travel the day of. 
That, now, does that really affect the team? I mean, you talk about the road, a three-and-a-half-hour trip. Not horrible, I mean, but at the same time, it is a road game. You know, is, is the road game a mental thing, or does it really take a lot out of it with it being this close? I mean, sure enough, the ones that are far, that really does drain a team. But ones that are kind of close, this kind of close, um, is that really anything that you've got to worry about as far as, you know, the travel for a game that's not too far away? I wouldn't think so. Um, you know, all the guys are, are pretty used to the travel, you know, and the distance. You know, the one thing you, did, you mentioned, like the long distance, long distance does take it out on you. And, you know, we will travel the night before. So, you know, the short games, I think that uh, we can handle the situation as it occurs and, uh, I think all the athletes are pretty much used to the to the distance that we drive. Taking a look at what you do as a coach, let's go to your off season. Okay, after last year, uh, you end up with the record that you end up. Obviously, your mind is in gear of changing what you got to do in order to be successful within this league. What does the off season hold for an Eric Clayton when he's getting set to take on new teams as well as old teams this season? Right. Well, I had to look at my staff. I also had to look at personnel, what we had for players. I, I went out basically last season, being 2-10, and 10, I, I felt that our offense wasn't as good as it should have been. And me, uh, my first year as the offensive coordinator, obviously didn't help us any. Um, you know, there was times we were in close games. But in the off season, I went ahead and uh, got an offensive coordinator, Mike Bonner, and uh, he has some experience in the indoor game and in this Absolutely. league. Absolutely. So we went out and got him. And then I went ahead and looked for a quarterback. We pretty much played the whole season without a true quarterback last season. So I, I felt that that was a priority. And we went out and got Josh Floyd and Kyle McManus. Um, you know, that chemistry is so that those two guys had the experience that we needed up front. Now, during game game weeks, what is it like for a coach? What Give us an idea of what you go through. As we're doing this interview here today, it's Thursday. What's your game week go uh, as far as getting ready for a game in Champions Indoor Football? Well, obviously, after, after having the first week that we played, um, we went ahead and watched film as soon as it's up. Um, we create uh, practice plans and practice schedules and what we're going to do offensively, offensively and defensively, and then uh, we'll have practice two times a week. And actually, we're getting ready to have a walk-in, uh, a walk-through right now in our indoor facility. And uh, then we'll be traveling tomorrow. So two times a week, maybe three, uh, just depending on schedules and everybody that can get here. And then uh, we'll tr- we'll travel tomorrow on game day. Okay, you get there on game day. What what do you do? What is the plan? You arrive at the arena. What does the head coach do? And and give us a little bit about some of the operations that go on to get ready for a game. Well, you know, I just I'm kind of the jack of all trades, really. I'm you know I don't have enough personnel on my staff, you know, to to handle all the business that needs to be handled. So I I, I wear many hats as as a coach for the Swan Liberty. Uh, you know, yep. I'm the equipment guy. You know, I'm the I'm the walkthrough guy. Um, when we arrive there, you know, all the guys will settle in. We'll we'll get our meal, we'll pregame meal, and then we'll get uh, settled in the locker room, and then we'll have a walkthrough offensively, defensively, and special teams, and then we'll prepare ourselves to get ready to play for that game. 
He is the head coach of the Salina Liberty. It is Eric Clayton. Eric, I hope you have a great season. Good luck Friday as you uh, are on the road taking on the beef in Omaha. That's that's a that's a loud rocking arena as well. You've been there already a couple, you know, uh, within the last year. That, that is a loud crowd. It is. They, they, you know, the beef nation is is loud and proud. I'm for sure of that. So we'll, we'll have to be on our A game. You betcha. He is Eric Clayton. Thanks for joining us a little bit uh, here on Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark. Thanks for your time, Coach. Thank you. Always good to talk to Eric Clayton. I get an opportunity to talk to him a lot, obviously, as the director of operations. I talk to a lot of these guys, and uh, he's just, I, I love talking to him. He is a guy that really, really uh, works really hard, and you can tell. And, and obviously, with my dealings with him, we know that's what's happening. Let's talk about the games that are on tap this week for Champions Indoor Football. As the Salina Liberty, they are on the road taking on the Omaha Beef We. Just just heard from Eric Clayton about that game. That should be a really, you want to talk about a raucous crowd? That is what the Omaha Beef are. Obviously, they won fans of the year last year in Champions Indoor Football for a reason. Not only that, they packed that stadium with many, many fans. Uh, congratulations to the Beef for that. That's so awesome. Uh, so that should be a really, really good game as both of the teams, unfortunately, are 0-1. So somebody's going to be 0-2 at the end into this one. Um, so someone's going to have to dig themselves out of the hole, whether that be Salina or the Beef. We'll find out on Friday. Then Saturday, there are three games on tap for Saturday. The Bismarck Bucks, they're on the road to take on the West Michigan Ironmen in West Michigan. The Dodge City Law get on the road to take on the Wichita Force, just down the road a little bit right there. Uh, that game's on Saturday. Then the Amarillo Venom, they hit the field for the first time this season in 2017 taking on the duke city gladiators at 705 now folks also remember that's mountain standard so that's an hour behind so that's actually 805 central standard time so just keep that in mind as they move in same thing with the west michigan ironman for central standard time that game starts at 605 so don't forget about that as they are on a different time zone over there uh in West Michigan. Then uh, off on Sunday, but a Monday night tilt as the Kansas City Phantoms, they host the Bloomington Edge. It's the first time we'll see the Kansas City Phantoms and Chris Coffin, the head coach of that football team down there. We talked to him earlier in the season here on Inside the CIF. Uh, good coach down there. Also, look at the paper. I mean, this guy's got a team that's built up pretty good. And the Edge, they're coming off a big victory against West Michigan. This one should be a pretty good tilt as you got a young coach over there in um, Amir Ishmael, 1-0, riding high on the big victory in week number one. Then they have to hit the road to take on the Kansas City Phantom, and, and that one's a little bit longer than just the two or three hours. That one is a pretty good road trip there for the Bloomington Edge, so we'll see how they get off of the bus and ready to go and see if they can put it all together out on the football field to try to get a big road victory because that would be a big victory for the Edge. Now, don't forget, the Edge were in the playoffs last year, so um, this is a team that, you know, knows what the playoffs are all about, knows that, you know, you don't want to wait until the end of the season to make the playoffs like they did last year. So they've got a big-time thing going on. That game happens on Monday. 
So you got a little Monday night football in Champions Indoor Football. So it should be an exciting one out there for that one. So what we're going to do now, let's talk to a guy that's been around. When you talk about indoor football, uh, this is a guy who's got the experience for many, many years. He is the head coach of the Dodge City Lodge. Sean Ponder, how you doing, Sean? I'm doing well. How you doing, Sonny? I'm doing good. Thanks for coming on uh, uh, here early in the season. We'll probably get back with you later on in the season as well. But let's talk a little bit about Sean Ponder, what people may or may not know about you. Let's get a little bit of background before you joined in and uh, took over the team back in 2014 in the CPIFL. What was Sean Ponder doing before he was the head coach of the Dodge City Law? Well, I obviously been been in these indoor leagues uh, for for a long time, uh, going on year sixteen, I believe. I think I lost count, but uh, uh, you know, I coached some junior college football, and then uh, got the itch for this indoor game. Uh, Southern California guy and the LA Avengers were out in my hometown in, in California, and I uh, got to know uh, Coach Hodgkiss out there, and really got really uh, infatuated and enamored by the indoor game, and had a receiver who played for me in junior college, Chris Jackson, who was with the Avengers, and. Started watching, you know, practices and uh, just really just liked the game and what it was all about. And from there, uh, I gave up the outdoor game and concentrated on the indoor game. And I've been around to, I don't know, five, six, seven teams uh, around the United States from Fairbanks, Alaska to Cedar Rapids to Quad City, Illinois to San Diego, all over the place. And I'm just enjoying this, uh, this great game and helping these kids get an opportunity to move up. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because you have been a part of a lot of leagues. You've been part of a lot of teams. Uh, you've been in the outdoor to the indoor. Let people know of the transition. We know about the transition from players, what they got to do, because uh, we've talked to many of them, but we never really talked about what the transition is for a coach going from the outdoor game into the indoor game. Well, it's, it's a huge difference. I think the only, uh, the only easy switch would be, you know, if you're at a small school that plays eight-man football, uh, you can start to put together a, a playbook really easy with that. And it's very similar to the eight-man outdoor game uh, for the small schools in high school. Uh, it's, it's just one of those things that you just gotta, you got to learn by experience, and there's a lot of adjustments. And, and now these coaches are, are getting so good at, at doing some things defensively. This game was set up to be an offensive game, uh, but there's just some fantastic defensive coaches out there that, that make the adjustments and, and really make this game turn into a chess match. And, I love the, the CIF just for the rules that we have and, and how they're implemented as well as the ability for these players to move up. So uh, I think the league's just getting better and better, and, and I just love this style of play. Well, you talk about players moving up, which is one of the subjects I wanted to talk about. You got a you got a, like a laundry list of players that have moved up, whether it be in the AFL, uh, C, uh, CFL, or whatever the case may be. Let people know a little bit about some of the guys that you have coached that moved on. Well, I had Craig Wheelahan in San Diego with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, you know, I ended up going to San Diego Chargers. I was with uh, San Diego Riptide at the time. I had a gentleman by the name of Kendrick Ings uh, who played here in Dodge City who uh, has been on a, uh, two NFL teams. Uh, Justin Rummel uh, went you know, was with the Detroit Lions. Uh, see, Blake Bowles was a quarterback who I had, and he got a workout uh, with yep. the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Reggie Sullivan was with uh, Sioux, Fall, Sioux, City, uh, Sioux Falls at the time. Uh, came and played for me and Everett, and after before he was showed at training camp, he ended up going with the Carolina Panthers, and the list goes on and on. It's just a great opportunity for our league to really open up, you know, the opportunity for players to to play at a higher level, and 
and our mo here in dodge city is although it's a it's a small little town we have a you know small town big dreams that's kind of our tagline and it's a small city but you got to dream big and uh it's great to see guys you know able to uh, you know u- utilize their athleticism and and play at that high level and watch them on TV, and that's really where I get the enjoyment out of it. Well, and you also, last year, you lose your quarterback, uh, which was a which was a jolt for the team, but uh, when you've seen Bernard go up and move up to the Nebraska danger where he is now, uh, still, uh, for that football team, that's got to bring a little bit of uh, pride inside. Well, anytime your players have the opportunity to, to get video and pursue their dreams, uh, you can't hold it against him. And uh, I, I still contact and talk to Bernard all the way through the season. He actually called me up and uh, told me about the, the Rudy Johnson kid we have this year, uh, that he did a good job. So uh, I'm, I'm in good standings with all those players, and, and I talk to him all the time. I want to see our players do the best that they can in whatever league that might be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's great to, to have that transition of players every year. Every year it's no different than a junior college two-year program. Every year you're recruiting. Every year you're trying to go out and find that diamond in the rough. And sometimes you find the diamond that's already polished, and sometimes you got to polish it up a little bit. And, um, you know, it's nice to find the guys that, you know, have the NFL experience. But uh, I tell guys, you know, they're here for three reasons. They're either, you know, not good enough, they got overlooked, or they have something that they need to work on. And uh, the guys who aren't very good, uh, you're not going to win a lot of games. You can't find a lot of players who uh, got overlooked. Um, but, the reality is some of those guys, there are things that they need to work on, and, and whether they played at the highest level in the NFL or CFL or whatever that is, there might be something that maybe we can help them to achieve their, their goal. Now let's talk a little bit. I like to do this. So what does the offseason hold for Sean Ponder? You've been doing this for years and years and years, so I'm sure it's you know kind of tailor-made for you as far as what you do uh, going from the last game of the season. I know a lot of coaches take about a month off to get their heads about themselves to dive back into it. What is it a little bit about your team as far as where you are and what you do in the offseason? Well, you know, we, we only have two employees. It's, it's my wife and I, and, and we run this team together. And uh, when, the, when the season's over, uh, we go right to making sure that our sponsors were happy, going out and talking to season ticket holders, getting involved in the community, and start working on the business aspect. So there really isn't an off-season for, uh, for the Dodge City Law. We just we work year-round, and, uh, you know, it's just us two in here doing as much as we can do to get it all done uh, and hopefully put a good product on the field. So. The offseason is really just answering questions, talking to sponsors, making sure everybody's happy because in this game, uh, obviously in the industry that we're in, we need to make sure that those people are happy and that's how we're, we sustain and, and keep our business here. When do you start looking at players? I mean, you obviously the sign, a lot of signings happen about October and things of that sort. Are you starting a little bit earlier before October, or is it even later for you when you're deciding who you're going to put together in order to have on your team? No, we normally take about a month. We don't normally sign players right after the year's over. Uh, you've got to give those players the opportunity to decompress as well. I think we do a good job here of keeping our players happy, and we've had a pretty good uh, you know, result as far as players wanting to come back. And you just start analyzing the players that you had and, and maybe where you can improve. Uh, and then around you know, August, September is really where you start getting those lists from agents and who's in what camps and who's been released here uh, in the CFL or NFL, uh, and you start contacting those agents. And 
that goes all the way through to December. I think about mid-December, we were about 95% done with our recruiting. Um, and Coach O'Neill did a fantastic job, uh, you know, doing the recruiting. He is the recruiting coordinator and uh, director of player personnel guy. And did a fantastic job this year, I think. Oh, absolutely. You think about a guy that you do bring in. You bring a guy with head coaching experience, obviously, with Colorado and what he did over there in the years before that as well. What does he bring to your team? I'm glad you brought him up because that was a little bit later, but uh, might as well talk about him now. What does he bring to your team? Obviously, uh, with the player personnel and grabbing up guys, he's the one. He's your eyes and ears, I guess, at at the same time. Let people know a little bit about Haran O'Neill. Yeah, I mean, he, he's more than the eyes and the ears. Um, he's an intricate part of our success here. And, uh, you know, Coach O'Neill and I have been friends for nine years. We've had battles on the field back and forth. Uh, when a situation came up where he was looking to coach, uh, you know, I jumped on the opportunity. Uh, I stayed in touch with him throughout the, the offseason uh, about, you know, what his plans were, what he was going to do, kind of help him out, uh, you know, any of those things. And it just worked out this year. Uh, I guess my, my, my idea was, you know, bringing in Coach O'Neill. he's won three championships. I haven't won yep. one yet in the indoor football uh, world. So uh, what, what better thing to do than to bring a guy in who's won three championships and knows how to get it done? I think any time you think that you can get everything done by yourself uh, and, and you don't need any help is probably when you fail the most. And obviously, you know, coaches have a whole lot of pride and, uh, my thing is, if, if you won a couple championships and you can help my team win a couple championships and we can help each other out along the road, uh, it's a no-brainer for me to bring a guy like that in. Well, talk about, yeah, you've been you've been on the cusp right there, and at least in Dodge City, um, you go 8-4 and four the first year in the CPIFL. 7-5, and five, you didn't quite make it, but then you moved in and got in third uh, in 2016, got in uh, to, to take on Amarillo. You're looking for that little bit of, to get you over the hump. Now, with Haran O'Neill, does you talk about a guy? This is a guy that, like I said, three championships for your uh, for other teams. Does it give you? And, and I'm not saying that you're ready or you should, but does it give you any inkling to take a step back and let maybe someone else take over? Or are you still have? Do you still have the drive? Do you still have the edge? Well, I think that you know when it comes to the offense and defensive side of the ball, I. I've been involved on both sides of the ball probably for 13 of my 14 years, you know, handling both sides of the ball. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what the defensive calls are this year. So uh, uh, I, I just give him carte blanche to do what he does. He's, he's very good at it. Uh, he can run the offense and the defense as well. We, we, we bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and, you know, in the, in the long haul, in the big grand scheme of things, you know, who knows what may or may not happen here. Uh, I guess when, when I lose the itch to coach or whatever that may be, maybe we, we can sit down and talk about it. I know that uh, Coach O'Neill is very happy here. He's enjoying Dodge City. The players are. Um, so it's, so far it's been a, a great experience here, and we, we get along fantastic. Coach Sheck works with Coach O'Neill with the DVs. Um, they're like two peas in the pod. Whenever they have meetings, I'm not even involved. I just let them do their thing because they're so darn good at it. 
Well, let's take a look at your team. You, you've got some new faces. Uh, obviously, you um, unfortunately lose your quarterback uh, to move on and things of that sort. Um, but you have to refire. Like you, like you said even last year after Bernard went on, you, you still had your eyes and ears open for guys that could take over in case of something happens. Let people know a little bit about your quarterback position. Who's the one that's in, you know, that's taking the field? And uh, some other players that we could look at for the Dodge City Law. I think that, you know, when it comes to this game, every year you've got to try to find those guys who can help you, you know, get you over the hump. And, and Bernard was a fantastic quarterback. And, and we had Josh Foy before that and Charles McCollum and Dennis Avrilla. And the players really circulate through. Uh, we don't have players that stay here and live here permanently. We're only in a 20,000-person right. town. So for us to ask somebody to live here, you know, it's pretty darn tough. Some guys do move here. Some guys uh, just come back during the season. So um, this year uh, we recruited uh, three quarterbacks into camp, uh, and we ended up with Rudy Johnson and, and Andrew Jackson. Rudy's our starter right now. I had a phenomenal game. Didn't start off very well. Uh, threw an interception for a touchdown to start off his career. and Came back and threw five touchdowns and rushed for one for 72 yards and, uh, you know, had That's a phenomenal game that, that really helped us win. <laughs> What's that? It's amazing what adversity will do for you in the game, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I joked around with him after he threw it. I said, well, you completed your first pass for a touchdown. Unfortunately, he was the wrong guy. <laughs> um, I, knew what, I knew what he had. He had some, some great right. athletic skills. Uh, he played at Winston-Salem and won AA and won a national championship. So he has the experience. He's also one of the guys that Jeff Garcia trains. I, I, get, I get some quarterbacks from Jeff throughout the last. In 12 years, Jeff's been a good friend and a great help to us, and uh, he's one of those guys, so I knew when he came in, he would be able to fight through that adversity uh, and help us win games, and uh, the game was on the line at the end, and he took it in his hands and went down the field and scored, and then the defense came up and made a big play, and we get to go 1-0. Yeah, yeah, and, and familiar names on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Tuff Johnson's been all over indoor football. Obviously, still has a little bit left in him as far as what's going on. Uh, so we don't sure. need to talk about T Tuff Johnson because he's built a reputation on what it is. Let's talk about somebody else on the defensive side of the ball that you think we should keep our eye on. Well, I, I'm, 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 I'm really excited about Travis Taylor. Travis Taylor's a defensive end. He played linebacker for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. Yeah, and, and just a good kid. He's got a real good motor. Uh, we call him the water moccasin at practice because he just goes 100 miles an hour. I, I don't think he knows practice speed. He only knows game speed. Uh, Terrell Green had a fantastic game, really did a good job on that backside corner for us. Um, E.J. Johnson is doing a good job. And, and the other guy that I'm really big on is, uh, is uh, Terrell Dudley, uh, a free safety who's uh, uh, made quite a few interceptions at practice against us. And in the game, he picked one up and, and took it back for the opening touchdown of the game uh, this last week against Duke City. So those guys uh, are guys that definitely have some great ability. Uh, offensively, we have a gentleman named High C. Scott who's very electric. He obviously didn't play this last week. He's got a hamstring that's sore. Um, but I love recruiting those guys and bringing in these rookies and, and really having them flourish and put together some great videotape and uh, really try to keep, keep moving on with their career. It, it, that's the guy I think you told me that was going to be rookie of the year when he comes back. Is that, is I'll tell you what, he's got a whole <laughs> lot of ability. He's uh, he's a slasher, dasher, great receiver. Uh, he's definitely that guy. And unfortunately, we weren't able to utilize him the first game because he was injured. But uh, we're looking for big things out of him. And 
Um, you know, Daniel McKinney's uh, been a staple on our offense, and, and he had a fantastic game that really just kept us going. But I, I'm looking forward to big things from I.C. Scott, and I know he is as well. After a game like you had in Duke City, you literally go to the last play of the game, which is which is the uh, you know the hook for me. Which is, I mean, if you're 14 points with with a minute left to go, you're still in a football game more so than if you look at it at a different level, whether it be the NFL or the CFL. Uh, the game's pretty much over. It's not in the indoor game. What do you tell a team after you get a victory like that? I mean, you could have went either way. You're talking about a couple of inches. They talk about the game being a game of inches. Uh, but a, uh, it could have went a different way. What do you tell your team when you go into the locker room after a victory like that? I'll see you Monday. I need some rest. Um, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much what I need Where to tell those guys. You know, they, they left everything on the field. And, uh, you know, I've seen the instant replay a bunch of times. And the referees made a great call. The guy was down at the, about the foot yard line um, before he extended the ball over and uh, it, it, it looked a lot like the Tennessee Titans Super Bowl game when he got tackled and Tuff Johnson had <laughs> a great play. And, uh, you know, all the, your emotions and energy, and, and I wasn't able to obviously celebrate as much because I've got to go upstairs and get on the radio and come back out and get things handled and, and take care of that. But after you're able to kind of sit down with your coaching staff and decompress, uh, you know, it, it's a tough thing, and those are tough games. And I've been on the side of both of them where, you know, it's gone against me and it's gone for me. And, um, no matter what, you, you just take one game at a time, and I know a lot of coaches say that, but you can't harp on the wins or the losses. you got to move on, and we've got a very difficult situation this week playing against the defending champions who are very well coached with Paco Marcinas, uh in Wichita. I'm sure they're going to be putting their banner up and doing all those things, so it, it'll, be, uh, it'll be a heck of a game, and they're going to give us their best shot. I know that. Yeah, what are you looking at? I mean, that's a like you said, that's a tough football team. A team that don't get Matt Moss back because of the situation with China. That's a that's a big loss for them. They got to fill a couple of holes as well. What are you looking at as far as the force is concerned? Well, Paco Martinez does a very very good job, and I'm sure he's got other guys that they can they can get the job done. They're very good defensively and very methodical offensively. Do a lot of things really well, and um, you know they they won the championship what three of the last two or two of the last three or whatever it is, and they, they do a, a good job of just doing things the right way, and uh, they're a very difficult team to game plan against, and I coached in Wichita. Uh, actually, I played uh, arena football in Wichita. I was the first one to ever throw a touchdown in Wichita, and they love me out there, and now they hate me because I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an opponent, so... Uh, you know, their fans get into the game. They've got a great group of fans that are out there. I know Nathan and that whole ownership group is doing a great job. So it's not going to be an easy game. We're going to go down there and we're going to have our hands full. But uh, we'll give them our best shot. They'll give them. They'll, they'll give us uh, their best shot, and we'll see how things work out. You going out the night before, or are you headed out game day? Uh, we'll go up on game day. It's only two and a half hours. It's great. Now we uh, we weren't we didn't play Wichita last year, and they're they're right down uh, the street from us, and they're in-state rivals. So we get to play them three times this year, and I'm sure Paco and I talking about not playing each other and how it would be nice to get that rivalry back. And now we play each other three times. Maybe by the end of this, we won't want to play each other anymore. Well, that might be. And you got two out of three. You find out who the better team is at least in those yeah. three games far as the victories are concerned but uh good luck to you when you take on the dodge city law that's saturday at 705 good luck to you coach i'm sure we'll probably catch up with you later on this season hey i appreciate it sonny you're doing a good job and uh, i'm really excited the way this league's going and uh, keep up the good work 
All right. Now let's talk a little bit. I, I forgot. I shoot Sonny. I forgot to talk about this. Emily Austin. Uh, was set to uh, work with the communications, do video for Champions Indoor Football, but she got an opportunity uh, that she could not pass up, that she had to go ahead and take uh, with uh, with another organization. Um, and obviously, we 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 want the best for Emily. So I just wanted to put that out there because some people have been asking about Emily, what's going on. We're still working on what we're going to do as far as a league is concerned with what she was going to do. Uh, so we will have an announcement about that uh, hopefully fairly soon as far as what we'll do uh, for Emily's position and uh, getting more video out there maybe a rundown of some of the games more so than just me doing it Lord knows people uh, it, they get enough of Sunday Clark with uh, you know the quick updates like I did with uh, with uh, Chris Dixon and other things that I do as well so we want a different face because you can get sick of seeing Sunny so but that's gonna do it for us this week on champions indoor footballs inside the CIF with Sonny Clark. That's going to do it for me, folks. Next week, we got a good one that is going to get lined up. We haven't lined it up yet, but we're going to get some players next week. We had one player this week. I'm going to try to get a couple of players this week, um, as well as talking to some other people within Champions Indoor Football. Any news breaks or anything like that, we'll talk about that next week. Also on Champions Indoor Football's Inside the CIF with Sonny Clark. That's going to do it for week number three here in Champions Indoor Football. Have a good week, everybody. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.